Good morning and welcome to Rimrock Church. So glad to see all you guys. And even with the time change, you guys did great. Did anybody else, when their alarm went off, go, uh, I didn't. That's all right. Hey, let's lift up the name of the Lord here this morning and uh, just enjoy each other. Here we go.
great friend, Karen Bosley Omat, and her husband are here today. They're gonna to talk about going to Africa and stuff. And so, as I was thinking about them, uh, that song came to mind. And then they had to take their baby to the nursery and they missed it. No, there they are. <laughs> you didn't miss it. You moved, I thought, okay. And this too, as we worship you, let all the world come and see how the mercy we've received from you can set them free. Amen. As we worship you, let all this joy that fills our hearts bring a Oh 
you light, shine your light through a spark as we worship be seated. All right. The Word of God says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. What a joy to praise Him this morning. I was uh, thinking this morning is we, uh, our vision as a church is to be a community being transformed by Jesus Christ. And one of the ways God transforms us is through praise. Did you know that? Even whether you're having a horrible week, <laughs> don't feel like it. When we praise, God does something in us. This is what Psalm 34 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. It doesn't say sometimes or when I feel like it or when the sun is shining, but it says all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. And that's the invitation this morning. Will we glorify him together this morning? Let's exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his trouble. The angel encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. God is good. Well, Part of God's goodness this morning is we have some special guests. Friday and Karen, why don't you guys come on up? Uh, we are so blessed to have you guys here with us. Um, yeah, we can, we can celebrate that. So Friday and Karen, Friday served as a pastor in Worthington, Minnesota. How many, how many years has it been there? It'll be five. Five years. And at an awesome church, I, I, I know uh, the pastor that Friday served with, an awesome, awesome church. And Karen's uh, dad was pastor here at Rimrock Church for 10 years. And what I love, uh, God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? In that God ignited something in Pastor Steve's heart the last few years of his life for the world. And he got to go to India, and, and Marsha likewise has a heart for the nations. And now God is calling Friday and Karen across the planet to another place. So why don't you share a little bit with, about that journey and how, how God has led you? Sounds good. I'm starting. Um, <laughs> hello. <laughs> I'm Karen Friday. We are um, just honored to be up here to be able to share with you guys. This is, like uh, Ben said, this is where I grew up, where I was in diapers. And so it's cool to be able to know that this community helped to shape me and grow me and just point me towards the Lord and towards just a calling for the nations. Um, so we are going, are there slides or no? Yes, we're going to Marsavit, Kenya, northern Kenya in July this year. I always say 2022, and it's like, oh, way far away, but it's here. It's coming. Next. We are working with Africa Inland Mission, and they have been on the continent of Africa for 126 years, um, and we are just honored. Their um, heart is Christ-centered churches amongst all African people with a focus on unreached people groups. So we will be working directly with people who less than 2% of their population knows Jesus, um, to put it lightly, um, in a very sad way. But we are honored to be able to just let the Lord speak through us and be able to go. It's my turn. All right. 
Well, as you can see there, there's some visuals to just kind of show you where we're going to be ending up in northern Kenya. If you're familiar with, there's a map of East Africa as well. Uh, this is it's sort of a homecoming for me because I'm originally my family. I was born in what is now South Sudan, uh, just as part of East Africa, part of Kenya. But specifically, the ministry that we'll get to be a part of uh, is a Bible school called the Northern Bible Training Center. There it is up there. And so the purpose of the school is brand new school just started in 2019 is to train up, equip, and resource new believers from these unreached people groups in northern Kenya, which has been isolated from the rest of Kenya for a long time. And so, but God is doing incredible works among the Rendili, the Gabra, our people that Amos worked with for almost two decades. There's uh, many Somali people um, in Kenya as well, and so opportunity to share the gospel there. And so we are excited to be able to provide theological education as well as English education uh, to send out these new believers among their own people to see the Lord be glorified and his kingdom built. And so thank you for giving us this opportunity to share with you our hearts and God's heart for the nation um, and excited to see how we can partner together in that. Oh. So stay up here. We're going to pray. They're going to be out in the gathering area after the service. So, that, you know, that right now they're looking for people who will come alongside them, contribute, and be part of their team, sending them. And, uh, and so we get a chance to, to pray for you guys this morning, be part of that. So would you guys just, if you feel comfortable, just putting out your arm, and let's pray for Karen and Friday as they uh, follow the Lord and obey him. God, you are amazing. You are so good. And... Uh, Thank you for the legacy of faith uh, that Karen and Friday represent, both in Friday's family as his parents chose to follow Jesus, and Karen's family as her parents said yes to Jesus, and now they are saying yes to Jesus, and your call and your heart for the nations, Lord. And so, Lord, we as a church here at Rimrock, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. But we pray for Karen and Friday as they take the step of obedience. I know uh, there's provision that's needed. So God, we look for you to provide the resources. We know you already will. You already have. God, we pray for their children as they uh, also <laughs> take this huge change, huge step that God, you would protect and provide and make a way for their beautiful children. Lord, thank you for their obedience, I pray, God, that you would go before them and behind them and that you would surround them and that, God, you will make a way for your name to be praised in, in this place in Kenya, that people who don't know you now one day will be praising you because of Friday and Karen's obedience. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Yeah.
stand and sing this last verse with us as a prayer to God. to God. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Lift your voice. It's the year
always come true, God. And you have promised Jesus to return and to end all the sadness and the sorrow, God. And we think of the Ukrainians today, God, and we just ask you to undertake for those people, God. Destroy the enemy and the evil that attacks the innocent, God. And one day you will, and all of that will be done away with, God. We thank you for that. Lord, and as Bill's here, Lord, we need to hear from you. Holy Spirit, would you open his mouth, speak through him, and then open our ears to hear. We ask that in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I encourage you, one of the things that I do, uh, even when I'm not preaching here, is I go back through the week and I re-listen to the songs and if you'll re-listen to the songs, sometimes after a message, you'll see why the words were picked. And sometimes before, you don't kind of put it together. You'll see so many times that God just moves in Tom at the same time he's doing stuff in Ben or Nick or I. And, and you go back, and I, I mean, I sit here, and it's really, really difficult sometimes to be in the midst of hearing some of the songs and then shut down and come up here and talk. If, if you... that song by Isaac Watts, it just, I mean, I don't know how you don't fall to your face and your knees to know that it's our sins that made him hang there. It's us that did that, and yet we have a redeeming God, and uh, so go back this week, listen to the songs, sing the songs, turn them into worship. Uh, ben made a comment about worship. He said that God inhabits the, the praise of the saints. The word inhabits means his address where you will find him is in the worship of his saints. And so sometimes you want God's presence to be uh, at least manifested. Uh, join him in worship. Join him in worship. Here we are again in Judges. And uh, as it begins, they did what was right in their own eyes. They sinned against God. It seems like every single message that we have, it starts there. And, and I found something that was interesting, and I, I think I've done this over the many years of reading the scriptures, is the, the word of God is not something you can take a little teeny piece of it over here and try to make it not fit with everything else. It's, it's one story. Every place I read, it simply repeats the same story, the same message, just in different illustrations, in different ways. Sometimes you're touched by one thing because that's where you are that day. And yet, as I look all the way back in the, from the beginning, uh, this seems to be the continual theme. And we're going to see it again today 
as we, we look at the Word of God. We're going to look at Judges starting in chapter 10, and uh, we're going to read 6 through 14 to start with. We'll pick up some more as we go. Uh, every time somebody says, are you talking on that part? Uh, because there's such weird things as you read through the book of Judges. And so we have one of the saddest, uh, uh, in my mind, when I really start to realize what actually took place here. It's a very, very sad commentary uh, that we're going to see as we come away, that there is a man that sacrifices his daughter, thinking he's doing it for God. And, and so we're going to look at that, and we're going to kind of see what, what, what happened, what led up to something like that. But let's look at uh, Judges chapter 10, verse 6 through 14. And they said to Jephthah, Come and be our chief, that we may fight against the sons of Ammon. And Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me? Whoops, I'm in the wrong. There you go. Back to 10. I was going to say, Wow, we are really going to have a deal here. Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Chapter 10, verse 6. In the sight of the Lord, serve the Baals and the Asheroths, the gods of Amram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, and the gods and the sons of Ammon, and the god of the Philistines. Thus they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. And the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the sons of Ammon. And they afflicted and crushed the sons of Israel that year. For 18 years they afflicted all the sons of Israel. And who were beyond the Jordan in Gilead, in the land of the Amorites. And the sons of Ammon crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, and the house of Ephraim, so that the house was greatly distressed. Then the sons of Israel cried out to God, saying, We have sinned against you, for indeed we have forsaken our God and served the Baals. And the Lord said to the sons of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians, and the Amorites, the sons of Ammon, and the Philistines? Also when the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Mennonites oppressed you, you cried out to me, and I delivered you from their hands. Yet you have forsaken me, and you have served other gods. Therefore I will deliver you no more. Go, cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your distress. We're going to pause there for a minute. Uh, I'm going to repeat, once again, a, a quote that all of us up here have used. I think Nick originally used it, and it said that when we forsake God and we take our own idols and we begin to follow our own ways, it says your idol will take you further than you wanted to go, it'll cost you more than you ever wanted to pay, and it'll make you stay longer than you ever planned to stay. And, and I have found that true in my life, in the life of other people, is when we will not forsake the idols, especially when they've been revealed to us and we decide we're still going to kind of hold on to some of them, you think you're mastering them and they master you. They continue to master you and pretty soon you are enslaved to them. And uh, you see these people here, they, they were sorry, but at first they were sorry for the consequences. They were sorry because they got caught. And because of consequences, they weren't really sorry for the the sin. They just wanted you to fix what was happening because they were caught. And God says, then let your own gods deliver you. Let that which you've chosen deliver you. See if it'll set you free. Uh, I want to have us turn over here. You don't have to turn. You can just listen if you want to Deuteronomy chapter 32. See if this doesn't sound similar to what we've been looking at as I read to you. 
For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spreads his wings and catches them. He carried them on his pinions. Yes, the Lord alone guided him, and there was no foreign god with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, and he ate the produce of the field, and he made him eat the honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. Oh, you've grown fat and thick and sleek, but you've forsaken God who made you. You've made him jealous with your strange gods, with the abominations that they provoked him to anger. And then you sacrificed to the demons, your children, who were not God, to God whom you have not known, even new gods now that you've came up with lately, whom your father did not dread. You neglected the true rock who begot you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. Oh, you've made me jealous and what is not God with what is not God. You provoke me to anger with your own idols. For your nations are lacking in counsel, and there's no understanding with you. Indeed, their rock is not like my rock, the real rock. Even our enemies themselves judge this. And he said, where are your gods, the rock in which you sought refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices, drank the wine of their libation? Let them rise up and help. Let them be a hiding place. See now that I... I am he, and there is no God besides me. There is none. It is I who put to death and gives life. I have wounded. It's I who heal. And there's no one who can stand and deliver you from my hand. Does this sound like everything we've still been reading? Actually, you can take Psalm 81. You can take Psalm all the way through. You can go all the way through. It's the same story. We just somehow think that we know better than God, and so we basically line up our life to... to our own satisfaction, and we forget God. So now let's look again. It says, uh, God says, I'm not rejoicing that you were made sorrowful, but I want you to know that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God that you might not suffer loss in anything. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God will produce a repentance with regret, leading to freedom and salvation, but the sorrow of the world will produce separation and death. You see, God, as you'll see here, these people now turn, and they'll turn with a real turning. And Ben and I were meeting before we came in here, and we said, it's so weird that we repeat these things week after week, and somehow I don't think that we grasp that we are relating, uh, we're related right back to where they are. It's no different back there than it is today. We just have different looking idols and different looking things, and and sometimes you hear over and over, and I have sat out there and heard from up at the pulpit uh, def- describing many different possibilities of what might be some of yours and my idols. Some of them rang really true to me. That's like, wow, that definitely is one. But do we act like them? Do we just go back and through the rest of the week and just go on? And somehow we don't rid ourselves of that idol. We simply kind of... Oh, yeah, that's true. I acknowledge it, kind of like they acknowledge the fact that, yeah, we've sinned. Fix us. And then he come to a different place. In Judges chapter 10, verses 15 through 17, it says, Then the sons of Israel said to the Lord, We've sinned, so do to us whatever seems good to you. Only please deliver us from this day. 
So then they put away these foreign gods and among them and served the Lord, and he could bear their misery no longer. Then the sons of Ammon were summoned, and they camped in Gilead, and the sons of Israel gathered together and camped there. Now, here's this deal. They said, and this is really what I think in my own life when I have come to some type of a heart of repentance, when something's been revealed to me either by the word of God or by a, you know, a message or a song or, or, or a podcast uh, or my kids or my wife, uh, is when it really hits me and I realize that, I realize almost like the song from Isaac Watts is, I have no excuses. I won't point my fingers at anybody else. I basically bend my knee and say, God, do to me whatever you need to do to me. And this is what they came to. Before it was like, no, just deliver us. But here it was like, do whatever you need to do to me. Okay, we want to be delivered. But after that, God then heard their words and he responded. So then it goes on and it talks, uh, we hear a guy come on the scene, Kajaptha. Uh, Jephthah, I think it is. I have not figured out how to pronounce that yet. But Jephthah was a mighty warrior, uh, but he was born from a prostitute. Actually, what you'll find out, it, for our relating to it, he was pretty much an organized crime boss. When he got kicked out, he went away and got a bunch of just misfits and people that were really ungodly people, and he formed basically a pretty much a syndicate, a crime syndicate, and he would basically attack people. He was, he was what we would look at as kind of a, a pirate. He'd go in and take what he wanted, but in doing so, he became an extremely good fighter. He was a warrior that everybody was scared of. Uh, for some of you, he was the Uhtred of Middah. Okay. Some of you have never seen that. Okay, <clears throat> I don't know if I'd watch it. <laughs> and so they came to him, and then they said to him, he said, Jephthah, uh, we're in trouble. Would you deliver us? And he said, well, why do you come to me now? Because earlier you kicked me out because I was not one of your regular borns. So you kicked me out. You rejected me. You, you cast me away. And now why do you come to me? And they said, because we're in trouble now. Doesn't that sound like some of us? Uh, I think we come to God and we're in trouble. We come to him in need. But you're going to see that Jephthah is is a kind of a type that you're going to see where it's leading today. He is a kind of a type of Christ. He was rejected. Uh, John 1.11 says he was rejected by his own. He was cast out by his own, just like he was. But yet the difference is Jesus was cast out yet without sin. There was no sin in him. He did nothing wrong. Jephthah yes, did. And so he makes a comment to them, what I think we need to pay attention to. He says, all right, I'll save you but you will make me head over you. I get to rule over you. And if not, I'm not going to fight for you. So they, all the elders and all the brothers that cast him out got together and said, I guess we'll make him head over us. Hold that thought, and we'll come back to that at the end of the message. But I believe very strongly that we have a lot of people that want God to deliver us and Jesus to deliver us with not giving him rule over our life. Rule over your life is to say, Jesus, what do you want? You have everything that you need. <laughs> I have everything I need in you. And if I'm going to go ahead and have you deliver me, then you have full rule over my life, whatever that may mean. And, uh, and I think that's a real parallel of what Jephthah did and why it was written. 
Now, he goes on, and there's a story in between here we're not going to read, but he goes and negotiates with the people. He tries to negotiate with the people that he's uh, supposed to conquer. And he says, why in, why in the heck are you coming out here and fighting against me? And they tell him, because you've got our land. They took our land. And he said, you didn't take your land. That land doesn't belong to you. And he goes back and tells them, let me remind you of the history of your land when Israel was crossing uh, to get to their land. And they had to go around your land because your leaders would not let us go through the land. So we go around the land. And then we said, would you please let my people come through the land? We're tired. We want to come through. He said, no. And then they started fighting. So God conquered them and gave them this land. So this land doesn't belong to you. So don't tell me we're taking your land. It belongs to us right now. And they still wouldn't let him do it. So then he went to, to fight against them. Here's the part that I really want us to hold on to in this message today. Because I think sometimes these stories, uh, we listen to them, and I, I think we can miss kind of the heart of the story. Jephthah had a mixture of, of different faith. Obviously, he, had a, he was a crime boss. He had a lot of junk in his life. But he also had a heart to believe that there was a God, and he believed in this God. But he had no idea how he, the culture had so mingled into his thinking. And so here, all of a sudden, he makes this terrible, terrible vow. And he says to God, if you will deliver me, then whatever comes out of my house, I will sacrifice to you. Now, there's been a lot of people that you read, and they say, well, they thought, he thought it would be an animal. Well, you don't have animals in your house. I don't know that he thought it would be his daughter, but I am pretty certain by what I look at here, he was talking about human sacrifice. And so he makes a vow and his daughter comes out first, and he sort of blames it on his daughter. Oh, you've saddened me, because now I've made a vow to God. And so she says, look, if you've made the vow to God, give me at least a couple months to go up and to grieve uh, my virginity. And he says, okay. So she goes up for a couple months and then comes back down, and he sacrifices her and kills her. You see, if we aren't at least aware of what was happening back there with the Baals and the, and the uh, Asherites. These were uh, gods that demanded sacrifice, and they demanded sacrifice many times of your own children. And uh, it, it's a terrible thing of how they would sacrifice their children, yet they would do it, and then God would look down and, and be appalled by what they had done. So what had happened is that the main thinking that took place with these other gods was this. These gods demanded sacrifices. And some of the old movies, whatever you see, the old movies of stuff, or like King Kong and stuff, they always, King Kong would stop if you'd throw him a sacrifice to, you know, to eat some gal or something like that. And we think, oh, that's ridiculous. This is what was happening back then. And yet, he sacrifices to basically buy off his god. If I will go ahead and do this, then you will do this for me. And it's the whole religious, from the beginning of time, even through today, we live in a, in a world that people don't understand the incredible grace of God and the mercy of God and don't understand that this is not on us to buy our salvation. It's not on us to buy our freedom. And yet, this is what he did. This was the motivation of his heart that made this sacrifice possible, is Okay, he's mixed the gods. He's mixed them together. And if you'll just do this, 
for me and make me win, I will sacrifice. And I've heard people say, well, you know, in the scripture it says, you make a vow to God, you keep it. That is partial truth. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. A vow to God is made, then you better keep it. So you see in Ecclesiastes, he says, make your vows very few. Don't open your mouth before God. It's better to vow and to keep it than to vow not keep it. Well, then he's stuck. He's trapped. And here's what I want to challenge you. We do these vows. God, if you just let him score this point, I will, I will go to church more often. If you just let me get this business deal, just this one, this would be so good. I'll, I'll give you 30% if you'll do this, if you'll let this business deal go through. Oh, let her, let her make the cheerleading team. If you would just let him respond to my date or her, I'll, I'll do everything. I'll go to church every week. We may not be so bold, but I think so many times we make these vows and we don't realize these are pagan vows. This isn't how God's asked you to live. We're going to see a real vow in the scriptures is a vow of thanksgiving. He says, I demand one of thanksgiving. It's a vow to thank God. I'm going to, I'm going to do this to demonstrate who you are, how good you are. It isn't to buy from you because you've already done that. Everything that I need pertaining to life and godliness, you have granted me in Christ Jesus. So I'm not doing this to buy something from you. God steps out on his own and does that. And yet we go ahead and we still make these vows. Deuteronomy says, 1231 says, human sacrifice is detestable to me, the Lord hates. But he had squeezed the mold of another world or into his mindset. And God said, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, there is a sacrifice that God demands, only one. The sacrifice God demands is your self-sacrifice and my self-sacrifice. To lay yourself upon the altar, he says, that, uh, he says, a brother, my mercy of God, present your body as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world and their sacrifices. So what about these vows? What about them? I find in the scripture that any vow that is made to God, if the motivation of the heart was to buy from God, uh, number one, that is sin in itself to even make the vow. But the thing that, that, he, that he didn't do and that we need to watch is when there are vows being made, why did he not have to keep that vow? Because he made a vow against the word of God. He made a vow, God says, I detest human sacrifice and yet you will sacrifice your sons and daughters I hate it it's an abomination to me so why in the world is he to keep a sacrifice that God did not ordain if you have been snared with the words of your mouth caught with the words of your mouth do this sons and daughters deliver yourself immediately since you've come into the hand of your neighbor go humble yourself Importune yourself, give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids, deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter's hand and like a bird from the hand of its nest. 
it's over and over, it tells us that if you're sacrificed, and I've done this many times, my, my words I've been trapped by, I'll go ahead and see Bill and Gracie and say, hey, we have got to get together next week. Let's just make sure we do it. And I say that, and maybe there's no way and no intention I can meet with them next week, but I've said that. And I've made a vow to them, hey, let's get together next week. So what do you do? You just kind of ignore it. Or do you go ahead and go and deliver yourself? There's another verse that I, I, I love this verse, and in Proverbs it says, we go out and we say, this is a God thing. God has told me this. God has put this on my heart. And he says, you better be careful because you've better be, it better be from God because otherwise you have to go and somehow worm your way out of it. Be careful of our words. Be careful of our vows. God wants a sacrifice of thanksgiving and not so much one that is somehow, if you'll do this for me, then I will do this for you. So if you're trapped in your words, think about if there's anything that your words have trapped you in. And maybe you've made some vows about your income and that what you'll be giving if you go ahead and make those vows. Now, there are things that I've seen throughout the scriptures that God has asked people to offer only as a result of thanksgiving and what God has done. But it always, always lines up with scripture. And that's how you can be at least aware of your vow rather than making rash vows and just making them quickly and hasty. It says you'll come to a short end if you make them hasty. Uh, I wasn't sure how to end this, but I knew where I wanted to go with it. And so I'm, I'm in prayer, and I'm kind of thinking, God, how do you want to end this? How, how can we go ahead and tie this together? And about that time, Tom sends out a text and, uh, and Tom, if you want the musicians to come up, that'd be great, uh, about a new song that he wanted to add in. And so I listened to the song, and I was moved by the song. I was touched by it. My heart was touched. My spirit was touched. It's a moving song. But the thing that I got about the song was something really interesting. If you'll notice when I read from Deuteronomy, and you'll notice little phrases throughout there that Jesus is referred to as a rock. He's referred to as our rock. And all through the New Testament and the Old Testament, he is our rock. It's also said in Proverbs, eat, eat honey. It's good for your soul for honey and wisdom. And that wisdom is, is basically the reflection of who Christ is, is good for your soul. It's healing to your body. And then it says, it's actually healing to those around you. So eat honey from this rock. And I just remember that basically every single message in this scripture is pointing us to Jesus Christ as our solution. Our solution to your vows, our solution to whatever you were vying for to get out of trouble. It isn't your vow that will get you out of trouble. It's this rock. If we would put our trust in this rock and eat honey from that rock, we're going to see freedom the way it was designed. I'd like the end of this message to be the words closing this song. So listen and sing these and make them your song and make them your words and your prayer. And worship him as you do. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything I need, you've got. There's honey in the rock.
chorus four together. One, two, three. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, man on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you got. There's honey in the you guys be sure to come back Wednesday night hang out with us come to a Bible study and next Sunday Amen.